It's officially overtime. Overtime with Lee Patterson, the only live local radio sports talk show in the Hilo Valley. And now, here's your host for Overtime, Lee Patterson. Well, hello there. It is Lee Patterson. Thanks for joining us today on Overtime. As we have, uh, we've got a good show, or what I would consider a good show. Um, It is our most likely our final show of 2017. I don't believe we're going to uh, produce one next week with the holiday season. Um, even we take some time off. So so probably the final show of 2017, been a good 2017. Um, we'll uh, do a little reminiscing, but we'll also talk ASU football today. So all of you ASU football fans, um, make sure you uh, stick around because we will have... Uh, Ralph Amston from Devil's Digest, uh, the rival site for ASU, talk to us today about the ASU early signing period, as well as uh, Safford's own Ralph Frias, who was signed, sealed, and delivered now to ASU. So we will uh, we'll have all that and others coming up. The 55th annual EAC Holiday Boys Basketball Tournament is in full swing over at the college. Uh, today is the final day of the tournament. So let's review the first two days of basketball games. So first of all, congratulations to the Safford Lady Bulldogs for winning the girls' tournament last week. Uh, they uh, were not kind to Thatcher in the championship game. And uh, they ha- there was co-MVPs for the first time in 21 years from Safford as Anissa Molina and Dion Abolo shared the most valuable player trophy. Uh, Anissa had 27 points in the championship game. And I bet you on, so that's somewhere around, I don't know, 15 to 17 baskets, depending on free throws and such. I bet you that Abelos assisted on all of those. She got an, each of them. Molina had a double-double with points and rebounds, and I can almost guarantee that Abelos had double-digit assists that night. They were just They were just on fire, so... Congratulations to them. That is two big tournaments they've played in uh, up in Chinle, then here at the college in the last couple of weeks uh, before they take a little time off before getting back into the full swing of it in a couple of weeks. Let's take a look at the boys' bracket. Game one on Monday saw Thatcher beat St. David 71-28. And then Pima beat Wilcox 66-31. Fort Thomas beat Marinci 67-57. And Safford beat Duncan 74 to 31. Yesterday, Duncan beat St. David 72 to 42, and Marinci beat Wilcox 67 to 35. In the evening session at 6:30, Safford walloped Thatcher 71 to 53, and Pima did the same to Fort Thomas 60 to 21. The defensive effort there by Pima holding Fort Thomas to 21 points in four quarters is. Uh, Pretty impressive. So that sets up today's matchups at 1 o'clock. Going on actually right now over at EAC is Wilcox versus St. David for 7th place. At 2.30 it will be Fort Thomas versus Thatcher for 3rd place. At 6.30 tonight for 5th place will be Marinci versus Duncan in an all-Greenlee County matchup. And the championship game at 8 o'clock tonight will be Pima versus Safford. We'll have that game for you here on KETO at 8 o'clock, 8-ish. Anytime there's a tournament, it's uh, never an exact time, but around 8 o'clock tonight, 
we'll have Pima versus Safford, which is an intriguing matchup. I don't believe they play in the regular season this year. So this is uh, the this so this tournament once once the AIA opened up the scheduling and let everybody play everybody. Uh, these games became less of a novelty. Still an important part of the of the season, the holiday tournament. Obviously, it's been going on for fifty five years. But back back when I first started, these teams didn't play each other in the regular season. They were all in different leagues, so everybody came together and played each other. But now Pima and Safford tonight. I don't think they played during the regular season this year. I took a glance at the schedule. It didn't pop up to me uh, just by glancing at it. And so that, that's going to be a novelty. That's going to be um, – and uh, just like that, uh, I lied. They play in two weeks. So, yeah, well, that's what happens when you don't have your paper in front of you. But um, but they uh, – it's still, it's still a big matchup. Um, Safford's been playing well. So a couple of weeks ago, 10 days ago, we'll call it, Maybe longer, 14 days ago. Safford got beat at home by Thatcher by 10. Then Safford goes to the Round, Val- Round Valley Tournament and plays seven games. I believe winning five, five and two, maybe six and one in that tournament. And since then, they've been playing well. They came home. They got beat by American Leadership at home the other night. Um, but they, from everybody, I was not at the game. Everybody that was at the game says, man, Safford should have won that game. Um, and American Leadership is uh, is pretty good. So they... Um, so they've been playing well, and then they put 71 on on Thatcher last night in in a game. I talked to the Thatcher coaching staff, uh, Chris Riemann and and Ted Dunlap, both of them, and uh, they they were exceedingly frustrated with the performance of the team. Um, turnovers was a big thing. Safford forced so many turnovers. Uh, Thatcher guards really had a hard time getting the ball into the front court a lot of the time. So. Uh, they're going to go back to the drawing board and try to find somebody that can uh, can get the ball into the front court. They're they're pretty frustrated with that situation, and I think rightfully so. I mean that was probably the biggest game they've had. Other, I mean they they responded at Safford, beating Safford by ten a couple of weeks ago, and then did not respond in front of the biggest crowd they played in um, in a in the Gila Valley this year. And uh, they will play for third place against Fort Thomas today. And if Thatcher's not lucky today, I mean if Thatcher's not ready today. Um, Fort Thomas could beat them. Um, d- d- don't 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 take what happened to um, Fort Thomas last night by Pima holding him to 21 points. I mean Pima's gonna Pima's gonna do that to a lot of people this year. Pima's pretty suffocating on defense, and th- and that makes tonight's game intriguing to me. Both teams can score. Um, both teams' starting fives are their strongest part of their teams. Um, I think Safford's bench is a little bit stronger than Pima's if there's an advantage there. I mean, everybody matches up um, pretty good. I mean, it's it's going to be a good matchup. So uh, that'll be at 8 o'clock tonight on uh, here on KTO and on MySouthernAZ.com. So it'll, it'll, be, it'll be our last broadcast of the year um, until the calendar turns to 2018. Uh, EAC is not back in session until after the new year. Neither are the high schools after tonight's game. I mean... Christmas is Monday, after all. If if the, if if you're still shopping, and you better hurry, <laughs> because Christmas is on Monday, and um, it'll be uh, it's going to be a good one. We'll have a good broadcast tonight. We'll have uh, we'll have some fun with the broadcast tonight. Um, Hopefully you can join us. If not, come down. It, it was a packed house yesterday for the Thatcher-Safford game and for the first half of the um, Pima-Fort Thomas game. 
Um, I got there a little bit late, and I had to park all the way down by Railroad Avenue. That's how far I had to park at the gym. So it has been uh, – it is a um, – it will be packed, and uh, it will be a fun atmosphere. That, that tournament's always fun. I, I remember when I was in high school, we played in it a couple of years, um, and that was the thing that was the exciting part is how big the crowds were when you played in that tournament. And it'll be another big crowd tonight, and it'll be a fun and exciting atmosphere for everybody involved here uh, at uh, EAC and for the high schools tonight. We're going to take our first time out now, I think. When we come back, we'll have Ralph Amston. He is with devilsdigest.com. He also runs um, arizonavarsity.com. We've talked about him during the school year uh, for for uh, high school-related stuff, but uh, he also is a big ASU insider. And we'll get his opinion on ASU's early signing class coming up right after this. Welcome back to Overtime. Lee Patterson with you here on our final show of 2017 before the calendar flips. And our next guest is a guy I've got to know uh, fairly well over the last season and a half of uh, covering high school high school sports. He's done a, does a great job in the Phoenix area and uh, the surrounding areas covering high school sports. He also uh, does a uh, podcast uh, about ASU, DevilsDigest.com, has his stuff as well. Joining me now live from parts unknown in the state of Arizona, Ralph Hampton. How are you, man? Oh, uh, not bad, Lee. I'm a fan of yours, so this is exciting. Oh well, uh, I, you're the first real life fan I've ever met, so I uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> so uh, tell me, um, you follow ASU a lot closer than I do, I, I, admittedly, and so just a Cliff Notes version of what's taken place in the last month over at ASU. Uh, your your just opinion on that. Well, um, athletic director Ray Anderson was brought in in 2014. Todd Graham was brought in in 2012. So automatically you have one of those prototypical, the coach isn't the athletic director's guy um, type situations. And uh, Ray Anderson cycled through just about every other coach in the entire university university besides, I think, uh, women's tennis and women's basketball. So, it, it, it kind of stood to reason that um, that if if Ray Anderson, who's a football guy, came from the NFL, if he was going to make a change, um, you know, it would definitely happen if Todd Graham ever gave him a reason. And so um, uh, this year, Ray Anderson feels like Todd Graham gave him a reason. So he uh, he got rid of him. He kind of made his mind up with maybe three weeks left to go in the season that he was going to do that find some way to justify a $12 million buyout. And then uh, from then is when it kind of got weird. He, he came out, uh, had a press conference saying, um, we're going to bring in somebody who's not necessarily a traditional thinker who might be open to keeping the staff around, um, which raised a lot of eyebrows, mine included. Uh, and, um, and then brought in Herm Edwards, who uh, if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan or a New York Jets fan or Philadelphia Eagles fan that was born, I guess, before 1970s, 
75, maybe you, you know, that you, you would, uh, you would know a lot about Herm Edwards, but if you're a recruit, you know, the last time he even coached in the NFL, you were probably nine or 10 years old. And so it was, it was a very, very surprising move on his part. And then the uh, coordinators that he had hoped would stay didn't. And all that has taken place before the very first ever early signing day. And so it's just been a, it, it's been a pretty chaotic time for Arizona state trying to make sure they, have everything they need to make today a success. Well, and and as as a fan of of football from the media side and as a, uh, from the fan side, I did scratch my head at it. I mean the the relationship between um, the AD and the new head coach makes me r- scratch my head. Uh, the idea he's not been or not been a football coach um, for many years. And and then um, the saying that the coordinators are going to stick around and then ultimately them not sounds too scripted to me. Right, um, right. And it, I mean, it 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 worked out probably the way that everybody thought it would. Uh, and you know that can speak to some of the frustration that people have that maybe this was a naive idea in the first place. And then there's another group of people that believe. Uh, that everything is happening according to what Ray Anderson probably wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, all I all I can say is that it's a really tough situation to be in um, to to want to achieve the goals that Arizona State does as a football program, um, but not necessarily have the money to do it. Yet slash that money when it comes to firing a coach who is your most successful winning percentage wise in the last forty years. So. It's um I don't know it's just been really really eventful but today kind of worked out in their favor anyway as far as locking down some recruits. Yeah, they really did. We're talking to Ralph Hampson from DevilsDigest.com, and uh, they they did. I saw the list. Um, the the one that we're most interested about here is Ralph Frias, the big offensive lineman from Safford, um, who got his paperwork in um, fairly early this morning. Still going to be doing a a press conference type thing this afternoon that we'll cover. But uh, I know that he was unwavered. It didn't matter that his offensive line coach had left. They had recruited him the whole time. It didn't matter that the head coach was gone. He was going to ASU. And I have a feeling that those guys that signed today all felt the same way. For the most part. I would I would say that 90% of them did. And, and I would consider Ralph Reese to be one of the more unique uh, because he spent three years trying to get Arizona State's attention. And, uh, I mean, when I, when I came out to watch him play against Snowflake this year, I told him, you know, what's going on with that? And he said, I'm going to put together my first four-game film. I'm going to send it to him, And if they're not ready to, to bite now, I'm moving on. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he, he was kind of ready to give up on this whole thing that he had spent three years just trying to stay on their radar and then, you know, ultimately, ironically, it comes to be that not only does Arizona State offer him, but Arizona State's in a position where he ends up being one of the cornerstones of their recruiting class, and they have to kind of coax him to stick around because on the first day of his official visit, he finds out his position coach and his offensive coordinator are leaving. The same position coach that came down to Stafford to visit him just the week yeah, before. Yeah, maybe 10 days ago. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and so I, the the shoe ends up completely on the other foot, and they go from, you know, dragging their feet and using him as a backup plan to, like, needing him more than ever. And he never wavered. It's what he wanted, and it, once he had his mind made up that he was committed to the school and committed to the players over any, 
individual coaches that, that might be there. You know, he was good to go. And, and when you have your mind made up like that and you have the tools that he has, I think he's really set up for um, academic and athletic success. Yeah, and uh, it's been fun to watch him for the last four years at the high school level here. I mean, we even talked about it, uh, uh, your guy Chili and I talked about it, that he was the anchor of the 4x100 relay team as an eighth grader. Nobody believed me, but video did surface. I just want to say that that, uh, that did happen. But uh, he's been fun to cover, and, he, and he's gotten better. In, and I've been trying to tell people, the, the biggest question people in the Valley have and is, hey, do you think he can play there? And I said, this is this is my answer to everybody that asked me. I said, if you have a scale of 1 to 10 of football players from the Gila Valley, most of them leave the Gila Valley at a 3. Ralph's at least a 6, and so he's got that on his on his side already. I mean, he's, they had him weighing in at 6'6", 340. That's what they put on his signing chart today. I mean, there's not a lot of those guys walking around the Gila Valley um, that are, well, young enough to play. There's some of us walking around <laughs> not young enough to play. But, I mean, what do you think his shot is at, at seeing some time on the field as a Sun Devil? I think that he needs a little bit of time to adjust to uh, the speed. I think a red shirt year would do him incredibly well. But, I mean, the the thing about somebody like him is you're talking about, you know, somebody walking around with a big hammer and asking, maybe do you think they'd be able to hammer down a nail? Well, like he has the tool, like, right. it, it, you know, he, and he can lift it. So he, he is big six, three forty, but incredibly in shape. Um, he's only going to get more in shape. He's only going to get more used to his body. And I feel like he's already pretty comfortable. High school hurt him a little bit because it's really hard for somebody his size to get leverage against what, would be players that would probably be too small to 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 crack, you know, four A lineups. And so, um, I I just think that he's got to get used to get, to hitting some people his size. Make sure that he has the speed to shut down guys coming around the edge. And once he gets that timing down, and once he gets that technique down, um, that they don't make people like Ralph Brees very often. I I don't see any issue. Uh, with him, at the very least, contributing, you know, as a as a as a redshirt sophomore and then starting as a junior and senior, um, I think that's probably the most likely path for him. And and I would agree. And I think if anybody in his camp was was with realistic expectations, I know sometimes you get jaded a little bit uh, when you're too close to the situation. But I think that's an a fair assessment. I think if he was starting by the time he was a junior, I think that that would be a very successful. Um, couple of years for him in Tempe, and uh, look, you've seen the rest of the list. I don't know anybody else on the list um, that's that signed today with ASU. Is there any that surprised you and were like, "Yeah, they're they're good. They got that guy because w- we weren't sure he was coming." Well, if uh, if your listeners kind of follow along with uh, Arizona high school football, probably one of the more surprising things would be that that Arizona State would ignore some of the running backs that are in Arizona in favor of pursuing some guys from outside the state. And, I mean, they landed some very, very talented running backs. And so at the at the risk of upsetting some local high school coaches, they still did sign three running backs, and they're all uh, very talented. There's a, a kid named A.J. Carter who plays at a, a smaller school in Louisiana who I think has 5,000 career varsity yards. Um, the starting running back for Allen High School, Brock Sturgis, who is playing at AT&T Stadium in the championship this Saturday and scored two touchdowns in their semifinal win over Cedar Ridge 
is coming to Arizona State. And then Demetrius Flowers out of St. John Bosco, which is one of the biggest and best schools in all of California high school football, also coming to Arizona State. And so um, I I think that the most impactful position for the class of 2018 coming into ASU will will be the three talented running backs that they brought in. One of those three, uh, at the very least, is going to have a very promising career in Arizona State. Has uh, has Herm uh, given any idea of of what 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 we can expect to see on the field for ASU, or is he still? I mean, I know it's been quick for him, but has he? Can we can we look watch old film and go? Yeah, he's going to try to run this pro style offense and um, this defense, or or do you think he's going to find somebody that wants that wants to spread it out a little bit and and try some of the current fads in college football? Um, you know, he he tried to bring the spread to the NFL. Uh, when he was there, uh, he was one of the, I won't say he was one of the pioneers because he didn't run the offense, um, but he was open to it. He's open to, to innovative ideas and everything like that. Um, he has been talking about and covering football um, nonstop. You know, he, you know, he was still on ESPN three days a week, uh, watching game film, talking with coaches, interviewing coaches, talking to players. Um, it, so he's been around football. Uh, but I, I, he came in and he said, I need to know what this team's identity is before we move forward. And so I think he's going to try to assess what the strengths are and try to mold whatever the offense is to, to what they have going on. And what they have going on right now is like eight or nine returning starters on offense alone. If uh, their most talented uh, offensive lineman, Sam Jones, doesn't go pro, they're basically bringing back everybody except for the two starting running backs. So I mean that's that's a lot to go on right. just right there, and and at wide receiver they're as talented as they've ever been in the history of the school. So I mean they they've got a lot there. It's just going to be a matter of what he feels like they do best, and probably what they do best right now is is um, they protect the football, uh, and and they get the ball to to Nikhil Harry and Kyle Williams, and so I don't expect that to change. Yeah, and it's uh, and uh, one last question before we uh, we let you go. Uh, do you where do you think Todd Graham surfaces? I know you uh, you and the Pitt fans have fun on Twitter, but uh, where do you think Todd Graham surfaces? I'd like to see Todd Graham do some television. I think that he's an engaging, uh, intense enough guy with with uh, and he's kind of an ideologue, which almost all coaches are, but. He's got his ideas, and, and I think he'd be fun and entertaining to hear from on TV for a while. He's, he's got a son that's coming up as a sophomore quarterback at Notre Dame Prep, and um, he's got $12 million on the way. And so, yeah, does he need to do him to. Yeah. Does he need to do. He doesn't. What, I mean, if you or I had $12 million on the way, would you show up to work tomorrow? <laughs> you would never hear from me again. <laughs> yeah. Some people would never. be happy with that, Ralph, though. I'm just saying. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Like those pit fans. Those pit fans would be yeah. real happy. Um, so uh, before I let you go, where can they see your stuff at? I've mentioned it a couple times, but I want you to run it down. Twitter, uh, websites, where, where can we find your stuff at? Uh, you can find them. I'm about to put out a commitment tracker for the day on ArizonaVarsity.com, part of the Rivals Network. Um, I'm also over at, uh, at Devil's Digest covering Arizona State football. Um, but, uh, yeah, on Twitter you can follow me at AZHSFB for high school football news. 
at Arizona Varsity for high school basketball and at ASU underscore rivals for anything related to ASU. And then in the, in the other time, uh, the other time he takes time out to talk to me on the radio. So, Ralph, I appreciate it today, man. You're always full of insights and uh, enjoy having you on the program. Thanks. We have a good day, man. All right. Thanks. You too. That is Ralph Amston uh, from all those places, uh, Arizona Varsity, Arizona High School Football, Devil's Digest. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back to wrap up the program right after this. Welcome back to Overtime. Again, thanks to Ralph Amston for joining us today. That guy... I can guarantee you didn't have any notes in front of him. Guarantee it. That was all off the top of his head. He's one of the best in the business, and uh, I'm glad I get to call him a friend. Uh, he's uh, he's a good dude. And before we get off the Ralph Frias uh, topic, I'd like to uh, read a text I got from Mike Alba, the head football coach over at Sanford, about uh, Ralph Frias. He uh, says he is a tremendous young man that worked to get better. His, his, his worked to get better every day. He never let any setback stop him from achieving his goals. I'm extremely proud of Ralph on on signing with his dream school. It speaks to his character that he is a man of his commitment, regardless of all the turnover on the coaching staff at ASU. Well said. We will have coverage of. Ralph Frias is uh, signing. Um, obviously, he's already signed and sent in his paperwork to the school. But then you do a you do a, a signing with the, you know with the helmets and the coaches and the and the parents uh, in the afternoon. Uh, if you want to see that live, you can go to my Facebook page or the, the show's Facebook page. Overtime with Lee Patterson. We'll have it live at three forty-five this afternoon. So make sure to do that three forty-five on Overtime with Lee Patterson. Hey, Merry Christmas. Have a good one. Have a happy new year. We'll talk to you in 2018. Be safe. Thanks. Goodbye. 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 Goodb